When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, this is Andrew Wilbar of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, we have witnessed Steelers football for the first time in months. Pittsburgh Steelers are coming off a 32-25 win over the Seattle Seahawks. So what should the Steelers' 53-man roster be looking like in an ideal scenario? That is what we're going to be discussing today on the Steelers Fix. Again, my name is Andrew Wilbar, typically alongside Jeremy Betts. This week he is out, so you are dealing with just me today. Excited to be coming at you. Again, this is brought to you by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Be sure to check out all Behind the Steel Curtain's great podcasts. Check out great content each and every day, both on the podcast side as well as on the editorial side. If you love Steelers football, you will love BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. No matter whether you are a listener, a reader, there's something for each of you. If you like draft content, we're going to have draft content coming at you pretty soon. If you like fantasy football, Jeremy and I got you covered. If you like Steelers commentary, Tony Defio, and amongst others at the website. If you like film rooms, Jeffrey Benedict and KT Smith have you covered. Jeff Hartman and Dave Schofield breaking all the latest news and updates with the team, doing an excellent job. There's something for each and every Pittsburgh Steelers fan at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. So go and check us out at the website. But today, we're going to get right into the topic of the show. We're going to get to a few fantasy football questions later at the end of the show. But today, the topic I want to talk about is an ideal 53-man roster after week one of the preseason for the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot has transpired since the beginning of training camp. We've seen a lot of different things occur, whether it be through injuries, players in, out of practice, players that are improving by the day, players that are continuing to struggle. We're beginning to hear rumors of what could happen. Could a player be on the move? Could a player be a surprise cut? There's so many things to break down. So what better way to do it than just go strictly by position and figure out how this is all going to work out? I will let you know that a few of these, when I came across this and I came and put together this 53-man roster that I'm about to share with you, this is not necessarily what I believe the Steelers will do. This is based upon what I have seen, what I believe in the teams and the players' potential. This is based on what I believe is the best scenario based on who the Steelers currently have or what the Steelers could currently do in a logical and reasonable scenario. We're not going to be going out and trading for 
Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and giving the Las Vegas Raiders Benny Snell and two ice cream sandwiches. Okay, we are going to keep this somewhat logical, somewhat reasonable. We're not going to be making a bunch of moves. We're going to be basing it solely off things that we're hearing and things that just make logical sense based on what the Steelers have right now. So we're going to get started with the quarterbacks. Now, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I was impressed in that first preseason game, seeing three quarterbacks who all played pretty well. And obviously, it's just the first preseason game. I know, don't overreact. We never should after just one preseason game. But all of them had more positive than negative in that game. Seeing Mitchell Trubisky in a Steelers uniform playing in a game for the first time, it was an encouragement to see him have a nice drive that he led, uh, end up going down for a touchdown. The George Pickens, you know, I, I, I don't think there's much of a quarterback competition at this point. I know people are making it out to be a big thing. Mitchell Trubisky, I believe Tony Defio mentioned this on one of the podcasts. Uh, I believe it was the Steelers hangover. If you haven't listened to that, go and check it out from Monday. I believe that Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the starter. He only saw a couple drives and then Mason Rudolph came in. That would be, that's a little bit more than what you would typically see from a starter in week one of the preseason, but not a whole lot more. It wasn't like he saw, you know, two quarters or a quarter and a half. And then we saw a transition to another quarterback. It was, you know, we, the Steelers saw everything they need to see in Mitch Trubisky. And I don't think he let them down. He's going to be the number one quarterback. Kenny Pickett. I believe in this scenario, and this is based off a rumor that just came out today and we got to be careful. Okay. Andrew Filipponi, who I'm not going to get into details of, you know, what his, ideologies are as a Steelers fan or as a writer, as a uh, radio host. I'm not going to dive into any of that. He is claiming that he has talked to a former NFL GM and that former NFL GM is saying that there, he believes the Mason Rudolph could be traded to the Detroit lions by the end of this week. We will wait and see what happens. Now, the Lions do have a lack of depth at the quarterback position. They have Tim Boyle and David Blau as the only logical backups on their roster currently. So Mason Rudolph would be an upgrade, and he could help out their quarterback room a good bit. Uh, But I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, Nonetheless, I'm going to use that rumor in this scenario because not that I hate Mason Rudolph. I think it was... It was horrible that fans booed him coming out of Listen, I'm not making a case for Mason Rudolph to make this roster. I don't want him to make this roster. I believe Chris Oladokun can be that third quarterback, and I think the series quarterback room would be just fine without Mason Rudolph. But he has done nothing for fans to hate him. You can dislike how he is as a player, and I'm not his biggest fan myself. But there is no reason to boo him. He has not done anything wrong. He has not hurt any Pittsburgh Steelers fans. He has not done anything that should cause fans to have the disdain for them that they seem to have. So Steelers fans out there, we need to keep in check, you know, okay, maybe we don't care for Mason Rudolph and maybe we don't want to see him on this roster, but that is not a reason to boo him. And and, I mean, until he's not wearing a Steelers uniform, we need to support him. Um, and show him that, you know, we're, we're cheering for him and we want him to do well because it's for the betterment of the Steelers team when he does well. In this scenario, though, I'm, let's say the Steelers can get a deal. I believe there was a report that came out a few weeks ago saying the Steelers were looking for kind of a fifth-round pick before they decide to move on from Mason Rudolph. 
Mitchell Trubisky, you have him at one. And if you don't have Mason Rudolph, that puts Kenny Pickett as the second quarterback. And that gives room for Chris Oladokin uh, to make that to become that third quarterback. Again, I do not see the Steelers being able to keep Oladokin on the practice squad. Buzz surrounded him toward the end of the pre-draft process. Teams began to show interest in him. I thought he was going to go even earlier than what he did in that early portion of the seventh round. Oladokin, I do not see staying on the Steelers practice squad. Some other team is going to claim him when they have a quarterback injury, maybe a quarterback as a hamstring injury in practice, and they decide to just wave him. And that gives them an opportunity to bring in Oladokin. They, I just do not see the Steelers being able to keep Oladokin on the practice squad for very long. If the Steelers are serious about him and they believe in his potential, they're going to have to make him the third quarterback on this roster, which would mean moving one of the other quarterbacks. Most likely that would mean Mason Rudolph. But again, it, th- there's nothing saying that the Steelers, even if they trade Mason Rudolph, they don't have to trade him this week. That's what the rumor is telling us as of right now. They're saying, you, you know, this supposed NFL former NFL GM is saying it could be by the end of the week. If Mason Rudolph lights it up in the final two preseason games as well, that will only up his trade value. So Steelers fans, regardless of whether he is traded or not, Steelers fans need to be hoping he does well because the better he does, the more the Steelers can get for him in a trade. So I'm going to say Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, and Chris Oladokun are going to be uh, the three quarterbacks that the Steelers keep on this roster. Let's move to running back. Najee Harris is obviously the number one guy, but there are a lot of questions surrounding his backups. There has been really, really good competition in the early portions of training camp when it comes to the Steelers' backfield. Jalen Warren has been a guy who has emerged as someone who has a... a legitimate shot at making this roster. I am not quite as high on his upside. So in my ideal 53 man roster, I'm going to give the nod to Anthony McFarland as the RB two. And I'm going to add master T a guy that I love outside the fact that he went to the O word school. Uh, and Hey, I just realized that Jeremy's not here to defend it. So I can like, I can totally blast uh, that school for the, rest of the show, though I may hear about it next week. But regardless, Master Teague is a guy, he was a good runner Um, in the Big Ten. I know he had a pretty solid run-blocking offensive line, but he's a bruiser, Um, and he's been putting on a show in the first week that he's been with the Steelers. Uh, Of course, that one video that's kind of gone viral of him just flattening a linebacker in practice. He, I believe, provides a higher up more upside in just about every facet of the game, whether it be as a receiver, a runner or a pass blocker than Jalen Warren. Warren has shown more overall because he's been with the Steelers longer. But I think as you see, as the preseason progresses, you're going to see more of master Teague. And I believe if it comes down to Teague or Warren, you have to go with Teague just because of the upside he brings long-term. Um, I think, I think he's a very safe bet to be able to play the role that he's going to be playing, which is, Primarily special teams. He's not going to be doing a whole lot other than that uh, based upon what the Steelers have done in previous years. We know that Najee Harris, they don't want to use quite as much this year. They want to spell him out every now and then. And we know Anthony McFarland uh, cannot be dependent upon based on his health. But if the time does ever come for Master Teague to have a primary role in this offense, I think he could handle it. Jalen Warren, I'm just not as sure. I think he could handle some short yarded situations. Uh, I believe he is good at... um, being able to slip tackles, uh, but he doesn't have that second gear. He doesn't have that explosiveness. He's not an extremely fast back. He's not an extremely shifty back. He's a one-cut runner. 
Uh, and you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting to see, but if I'm making the decision, I'm putting master Teague above Jalen Warren. So we have Trubisky Pickett, Oladokun at quarterback, Najee McFarland Teague at running back at fullback, Derek Watt. I'm going to go with again. I, I think the Steelers could have done better in terms of, you know, maybe moving Connor Hayward, uh, enlisting him as a fullback and moving on from Derek Watt and saving a little bit more money. But I don't see that happening. I don't think that is logical at this point. And I don't think it's ideal. I don't think it's happening. So we're going to go with Derek Watt at fullback. Here is the thumper of everything. Wide receiver. What do you do? The Steelers have nine receivers. You could make some sort of argument for when, as it pertains to their chances of making the roster. In my opinion, there's eight that I think are worthy of making this roster. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, Anthony Miller, Kelvin Austin, the third, Steven Sims, Miles Boykin, and Gunnar Olszewski. Who are the odd men out? How many receivers are the Steelers going to keep? Are they going to keep five receivers? Are they going to keep six receivers like they've done in previous years uh, before last? How many are they going to keep? Here's something to think about. How about seven wide receivers? That is exactly what we're going to go with in this exercise. And you will see how it can fit in. The Steelers may have to look a little bit thin in certain areas, but I believe it is definitely possible for the Steelers to get away keeping seven wide receivers on the roster. Because who are you going to cut at this point? I, I mean, the trading Deontay Johnson's out of the picture now. He's been assigned. Chase Claypool, I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I believe the Steelers still believe in his ability to break out this year. George Pickens is lighting the world on fire in practices. You know, it, we'll, we'll see what happens when game time comes and, you know, how quickly is he going to be able to get a large role in the offense? It could be pretty soon. He's not going anywhere. Anthony Miller, well, you know, he's sidelined right now with injuries. But before that, I mean, he looked really good in practice. And Kelvin Austin third, I know that he's buried on the depth chart right now, but there's no way the Steelers are going to let him, you know, be on the practice squad and make him available to other teams. He is a fourth round pick who is highly sought after. We know the Baltimore Ravens wanted to draft him right after the Steelers, uh, if not for the Steelers taking him. The Steelers are going to have Austin on the roster. So that's five wide receivers right there. And unless Anthony Miller's injury becomes more serious than what it is right now, I think those guys are pretty secure. Uh, Anthony Miller, you can make an argument that he's not, but I, I, I think the Steelers are just based upon how they've used him and just based upon where he's at on the depth chart right now, I think he's pretty safe. I'd say there's at least 75% chance he makes this roster. Then you have Miles Boykin, who the Steelers seem to be pretty high on back during the 2019 pre-draft process or the year that Miles Boykin um, came out, obviously he did not work out with the Baltimore Ravens, but a guy who has tremendous upside, size, speed, just learned to use his size and learning to separate with his speed. That was his issue in college, and those were his issues in Baltimore. But he's a guy that seems to be in a good position to make this roster as well. Obviously, we need to see something from him in the preseason. Miles Boykin, do you do you cut him? You know, do, do you, would he last on the practice squad? What do you do with him? Gunnar Olszewski, you know, can he do things outside of special teams? Well, in the first preseason game, it's just preseason, but we saw him make some plays on offense. You know, do you cut him? I you paid him to come in and replace Ray Ray McLeod, who signed a quite inflated contract with the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, based upon what we've seen so far, the Steelers could be gaining an upgrade from Ray Ray McLeod, Justin Gunnar Olszewski, but a guy who's not even guaranteed to make the roster based upon the depth the Steelers have this year. 
And then that brings us to the guy that I've told you all about several times. And we talked about just a couple weeks ago on the Steelers fix. I went off on a rant about him. And that is none other than my boy, Steven Sims. And you saw him with a great performance in the return game in the first preseason game against the Seahawks. You saw him take a uh, a nice run of jet sweep uh, that went for 30 plus yards. And then you had a pass that didn't go very far, didn't accumulate very many yards. But man, the way he moved with that cutback, you could not help but see Antonio Brown vibes just in the way this guy moves. And if if you didn't, were not able to catch the Steelers' first preseason game, don't just take my word for it. I was in the live chat uh, listening to the Steelers hangover yesterday, and I wrote down a couple of these comments that came up in the live chat. Brad Jewett, who is a faithful listener to BTSC, he says, this is his quote, that little underneath route he caught and the two-step cut back left was literally so AB-like. And it's true. The way he moves, the way he cuts, the way he runs his routes, the way he moves after the catch, everything about him screams Antonio Brown. He He's built exactly the same. There are so many similarities in his game to Antonio Brown. Javier Mori, another listener, uh, to behind the steel curtain. Sims looks like AB for reals. It's uncanny the way he runs and everything. And people are finally starting to pick up on this. And I mentioned this back and you can go out and check out what I wrote about Steven Sims when he was coming out of college. And I said the same thing. He is so similar to Antonio Brown in the way he moves. And I, I truly believe the Steelers are beginning to see that the Steelers coaching staff has seen some of the things that the Steelers have not had since Antonio Brown and that explosiveness his ability to make plays in the return game, his ability to do literally everything in this offense, play outside, play inside. He's so versatile, but so explosive. I don't see how you can't put him on the roster the way he's performing right now. I want to see this guy make the roster. So I have seven receivers making this roster right now. Who This is what I would do if I am the general manager, if I'm Omar Khan and I am Mike Tomlin making this decision. I'm going Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, Anthony Miller, Kelvin Austin III, Steven Sims, and Miles Boykin. And unfortunately, Gunner is just going to have to be left out. I know he's an all-pro kicker turner, but maybe see if he can get some form in a trade. And this is the other thing I want to bring up. And this is something that maybe if you're listening and you want to DM me about this on Twitter or maybe mention this on Behind the Steel Curtains Twitter uh, when the link comes out to this podcast, would trade value come into play with who the Steelers keep? For instance, if the Steelers can get a fifth round pick for Anthony Miller, but only a sixth rounder for Miles Boykin, would the Steelers keep Miles Boykin knowing that they could get more for Anthony Miller and move Anthony Miller? Regardless of whether the Steelers trade receivers or they just cut them, they're going to be picked up by some other team. The entire league can see the depth that the Steelers have. Cody White's a guy we didn't even talk about. I have a feeling that he's going to at least stick around on the practice squad. Obviously, his father is now in the front office for the Steelers. I think he's going to stick around on the practice squad. I don't think there's really any chance he makes the roster with all this depth. But Steven Sims, he's proven he can do everything in the return game that Gunner can. He is incredibly explosive. Gunner has more experience. Gunner may be a little bit safer of an option, but I don't think he has the same upside on offense that Sims could bring, especially in Kansas system with the jet sweeps and just moving all over the field. I think Sims brings more upside, but Gunner, could you get something for him in a trade? I don't know. Could you get something for Anthony Miller in a trade? I don't know, but I do know this. If the Steelers don't get anything for him in the trade, 
they are not going to stick around on the practice squad to see us try to fit them on there. The other teams are going to claim them. They're going to be high priority waiver claims early in the season. So the Steelers have some difficult decisions to make in that wide receiver room. It may be unprecedented for the Steelers, but I believe that seven wide receivers is not out of the question. And it's something that Steelers fans should be paying close attention to because it's going to be the biggest thing that I'm going to be watching for the remainder of the preseason. Moving to tight end, Pat Fryermuth, Zach Gentry, and Connor Hayward is what I got. And I don't think there's going to be a whole lot to change that. I think the only thing that could happen is that Kevin Rader beats out Connor Hayward and the Steelers try to keep Hayward on the practice squad. I don't see that happening right now. Hayward has more versatility than Raider. Raider just has not developed much as a receiver. He is primarily a blocker. I like Kevin Raider. Uh, he's been a dependable blocker. He's helped out in the run game in the little that we've seen of him. Uh, but I, I think that Connor Hayward brings more upside. and He's a better fit for Matt Kansas offense. I think that's the direction the Steelers go. And then on the offensive line, I have the Steelers keeping eight right now, and I wouldn't be against the Steelers keeping nine, but obviously that's going to be difficult if you keep seven wide receivers. I have Dan Moore, Kevin Dotson, Mason Cole, James Daniels, Chikuma Okorafor, Joe Haig, Kendrick Green, and John Leglu. And that means that J.C. Hassenhauer is the odd man out. The other question to ask is, do the Steelers add anything at tackle? Do the Steelers pursue Andre Dillard? Do the Steelers pursue somebody else in free agency? It seems like the Steelers are confident in their depth, and it's difficult because after Dan Moore and Chikuma Okorafor, even I've talked a lot about how I think the Steelers need an upgrade with at their starters, but the depth, I don't know how you it much of an argument for people who believe that the depth is fine. Joe Haig is all the Steelers have. I mean, you're not going to have room for Chaz green on the roster as another tackle. I mean, maybe you can try playing leg at tackle. I think he's sticking at guard. Mason Cole has some experience in college at left tackle, but it wasn't the greatest. He's definitely best at center. With only one swing tackle on the roster, do you think that is the Steelers coaching staff would be comfortable with that? I'm not the decision maker. I would definitely be pursuing a tackle, but based upon who the Steelers have right now, and based on the fact that I don't see the Steelers looking in that direction right now, I think they're going to stick with more of Corafor and Hag as the tackles and just trust that that will be good enough to suffice throughout the season, or at least the early stages of the season. I think those are the eight offensive linemen you see the Steelers keep in Hasnauer. Uh, he's he's going to put up a fight for the rest of the preseason, but I just don't know where you fit him in. If you put Hasnauer on, who do you let go? You can't let go of Hag because he's your only depth at tackle. Leglu showed a lot of promise. I mean, he would be the next guy, but he's looked pretty good so far this year. So difficult decisions, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But there's also some on the defense, and we're going to get into that on the second half of this show. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back and break down the defense right after this. Welcome back to the Steelers Fix, the second half of the Steelers Fix. My name is Andrew Wilbar. Again, Jeremy Betts is out this week, so it is just me riding solo with you today. We are breaking down an ideal 53-man roster for the Pittsburgh Steelers based upon what we have seen so far, based upon what I have seen so far, and what I believe the Steelers 53-man roster should look like as of right now. And 
if you missed the first half, go back and check it out because we broke down uh, the potential at quarterback. That's a big talking point. Wide receiver. I had a bold prediction there, keeping seven wide receivers. Let me know what you think. That's going to be interesting to see because you can only keep so many guys, but at the same point, you know, who do you cut? Regardless, it's time to move to the defense before I lose any more hair when it comes to the wide receiver room and my hot takes. Let's move to the defensive line where things get a little bit more clear. Again, there's pretty good depth here, but I think it's a little bit more straightforward. You have Cameron Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, Tyson Alualu. They're going to be the starters. As depth, I don't. I, Montrevious Adams has to make this team. He he showed too much last year. I think he's going to stick. Demarvin Leal, obviously third round draft pick, a guy who. And the little I saw, I didn't pay super close attention to him, but I liked what I saw of him in that first game. Of course, made a big play at the end to close out the Steelers and help the Steelers um, come back and win that game at the end. But then you have um, Isaiah Loudermilk, a guy who I trashed when the Steelers selected him. And, you know, he's kind of proven me wrong. Uh, he was a guy I did not have a draftable grade on. When the Steelers traded a future fourth-round pick to get him, I was dumbfounded. And I still would not have done that. I still don't think he was worthy of a fourth round pick, but he has become solid depth. He's a depth piece that I believe Carl Dunbar is going to continue to work with and mold and make better as the years go on. And then Chris Wormley is a guy we can't forget about, a guy who the Steelers have said they believe can be a starter if need be. So I believe he's going to stick. The question is how many more do the Steelers keep? Last year, the Steelers kept nine, if my memory serves correctly. This year, I only have the Steelers keeping seven as of right now, and I think they'll try to stash a couple on the practice squad, whether that be a Mondo, whether it be one of the Davis brothers, whether it be Donovan Jeter, a guy who is a, a rookie out of Michigan, a guy who has some promise as a future nose tackle. But I believe the Steelers are only going to keep seven as of right now, defensive linemen. But I think based upon the guys who they have, I believe the Steelers' overall unit is better in terms of depth. If you compare it to last year's team, you had two or three guys that made the roster that really – we're not that impressive overall, but an outside linebacker moving to the linebackers, TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith are set as the starters. I'm excited to see what Highsmith's going to do this year. A lot of people are bashing him, uh, but he has done a great job defending the run opposite TJ Watt. I believe he, we're going to see more sack production from him this year. Uh, and just the, allowing that defensive line to be healthy again with Cameron Hayward, assuming he stays healthy with Larry Ogunjobi, uh, assuming that he is in shape. Of course, he failed his physical with Chicago, but he looks to be a good go. And then you also have Tyson Alualu. If he comes back healthy, I believe that's going to benefit Alex Highsmith a lot. It's going to take the attention. Um, it's going to put the attention more on the interior, and it's going to take some of the attention away from Highsmith because, of course, teams have to double and triple TJ Watt on the opposite side. But behind him, what happens? Derek Tuska. I believe he's going to make the roster. There's a lot of moving pieces. The Steelers have been bringing in a lot of guys, waving other guys at outside linebacker. I believe Derek Tuska is a guy who's going to make this roster. He showed some promise last year, a guy who's very athletic. Uh, I really liked his tape and his athleticism that he put on display at the combine uh, in his pre-draft process. And a guy that the Steelers just brought on, we saw a tiny bit of him in that first preseason game, but not very many people know about him is Hamilcar Rashad. Former edge rusher from Oregon State, guy who did not test as well as I thought he was going to coming out, but a guy who has a lot of athletic upside, a guy who was a fairly productive player in college. His final season was not quite as good as what people expected, but at one point in time, we were looking at him as a guy who could be even a potential late first round pick, uh, the very latest, a mid-day two pick. 
so the upside with keeping a guy like Rochette, I mean, two-star skipper, I would have considered keeping him on, but the Steelers just waived him. When you look at the other guys the Steelers have in that room, Jannard Avery, he may be listed as an outside linebacker. I have him as an inside linebacker. I do have him making the roster, though. But who else do you keep at outside? I believe Hamilcar Rashad, Rashad, he's going to show enough through the rest of the preseason. Again, this is just projection. This is what I believe based upon what the attention I paid to him during his pre-draft process. I believe that he has enough upside to stick on this roster. And I believe that the Steelers are going to see it through the next couple of weeks of the preseason. But inside linebacker, how many do you keep? Devin Bush, I, Nobody can say Devin Bush is a bust because he wasn't a bust before the injury, okay? People forget how good he was pre-injury in late 2019 and early 2020. He was becoming one of the best linebackers in football. Could the injury have caused him to lose it mentally? Absolutely. A lot of people are talking about, you know, how he's trying to avoid contact. And, you know, that's more a mental problem than a physical problem. He should be just about the full strength now. It's been about two years and that's about how long it takes to recover from an ACL tear. So if he doesn't show anything soon, you know, maybe he has lost it mentally. We'll see what happens. I haven't given up hope on him, but I know a lot of people have, and it could be mentally, you know, maybe the injury just caused him to lose it mentally. He, and if it does, that's sad, but it's certainly possible. But you can't tell me this guy never had it in him. Okay. At Michigan, this guy was a head hunter. He wasn't the slightest bit afraid to absolutely light people up in the open field. He was a big hitter. He wasn't the biggest guy, but man, he loved to hit. He wasn't afraid to lay one on you. And that's what made him so appealing to the Steelers. He was a physical linebacker in the middle of the field who could run sideline to sideline. That was what the Steelers needed. Uh, and the some of the Steelers have lacked since the days of Ryan Chazier. But something has happened with Devin Bush. We'll see if he can regain the mental wherewithal that he had before the injury because people forget how good he was. He was becoming one of the, and, and if you don't believe me, go back and look at the tape. He was becoming one of the best linebackers, best young linebackers in the NFL based upon the way he was playing. The stats weren't showing it early in that 2020 season before that injury came, but he was playing better overall. He, he was seeing more attention by uh, the other blockers on the offense on opposing offensive lines, opposing offensive coordinators were accounting more for him. Uh, but he had a huge part in the success early on 2020 in the late portion of 2019, he continued to show progress. It was just at that injury when we started to see the bad Devin Bush right after that. And we started to see him get a little bit better as the season went on last year. And I'm, I still believe we're going to see more of Devin Bush, the better Devin Bush to come. But if he has lost it mentally, nobody can say that he never had it in him. Regardless, I think he makes the roster. Miles Jack and him, I believe they are going to be the starters. Miles Jack did look really good in that first preseason game. And then after him, you have Robert Splane. He's going to stick around. Jannard Avery, uh, a guy who I believe is going to be moved around all over the place, but a guy who can play inside, outside, even play a little bit on the defensive line. I love Jannard Avery. He's a good fit for what Brian Flores wants to do. And then Mark Robinson, a guy who continues to impress both in the preseason and in training camp. He's built like a running back. He's he's a former running back. I mean, he looks like a Steelers linebacker, especially in the modern day. He's got the speed. He's built low. But if you if you haven't listened to anything that Shannon White has said, go and look up some things that Shannon White has written onto it. Absolutely phenomenal job. He's looked into him even more extensively than I have. But I do. I've come around to Mark Robinson. I wasn't so sure about the pick at the time because I felt like there were better options available. 
and there's may have been, but overall, Mark Robinson is still a guy. I think that's going to make this roster based upon what he's shown so far. The Steelers seem to like him. He's a guy that Brian Flores seemed to be really high on based upon what he said of Robinson right after the draft. So I believe the Steelers keep five Bush, Jack, Spillane, Avery, Mark Robinson, nine linebackers overall. If you account for Watt, Highsmith, Tuska and Rashad. That brings us to the defensive backs. Last year, the Steelers only kept four cornerbacks on the initial 53-man roster. And believe it or not, I think if the Steelers are going to keep seven receivers and if they're going to keep eight offensive linemen, I believe this is the way the Steelers are going to have to go again with only four corners. Akella Witherspoon, Levi Wallace, Cameron Sutton. And the fourth guy I have is actually Chris Steele, the undrafted rookie, a guy who I, I he was higher on the initial depth chart than what even I thought he was going to be. So he's obviously impressing the Steelers coaches early on. He was already ahead of Justin Lane and James Pierre on the depth chart. Lane has good special teams ability. And I, I still believe in his potential, especially with Brian Flores and Terrell Austin with, especially with Austin's experience working with longer physical athletic corners. I believe Justin Lane still has some potential. I don't believe he's a complete wash, but he hasn't shown a whole lot so far and James Pierre he's he showed a lot of potential in that one preseason but ever since then we haven't seen a whole lot from him does he make the roster does he not well we'll have to wait and see I think his chances at this point are no better than 50 50 I think it'd be a coin flip between him and Lane uh to be the fifth cornerback but I think the Steelers are going to keep five safeties this year you have Minka Fitzpatrick you have Terrell Edmonds you have DeMonte KZ Miles Killebrew. I believe KZ is going to help fill maybe the lack of depth the Steelers have at corner. He's going to be coming down playing the nickel some, I believe, along with Trey Norwood, who's going to be playing the nickel some as well. Um, and then, of course, Miles Killebrew, who's going to be the special teams ace. So you got five safeties. That brings us up to 50. And then, of course, the three special teamers, Chris Boswell, Presley Harvin third, and Christian Koontz. I don't think there's a whole lot of debate when it comes to safety. I think Carl Joseph's going to be the odd man out. You can't get rid of Killebrew. He's too good on special teams. You've invested too much into him. And Terrell Austin knows him from their time in Detroit. Terrell Edmonds and Minka, obviously they're staying. DeMonte KZ, a nice free agent acquisition, a guy who's had a lot of success, who had success in Dallas. And then Trey Norwood, a guy who continues to improve, a guy I wasn't high on coming out. But again, another guy who's kind of shut me up. That brings us to five safeties, and that brings us to 50. And then with the special teamers, that's your 53. So the big crux of all this is the receivers. Can the Steelers have a way? Can the Steelers find a way of keeping seven wide receivers on the roster? And I believe it is possible based upon what we talked about today. It may be a little bit thin in offensive line, but the Steelers, based upon what they have in the room, they don't seem to be too concerned right now, especially at tackle. They're fine with keeping only three tackles and – you don't need to add any extra offensive interior offensive line depth. Hasnauer would be nice to keep on the roster, but he's not a guy you have to keep. Maybe the Steelers can keep him on the practice squad. Maybe he gets claimed elsewhere. I don't know, but I don't think there's going to be room for him if the Steelers keep seven receivers. Um, and then based on the defense, I think the Steelers can get away with just seven D linemen. There's no need for nine. I think seven will suffice because I believe the quality of the seven is better than the quality of the nine last year. The only other question is at corner, how many do you keep? Are you okay with Chris Steele being the fourth corner, a guy who is completely unproven, a complete unknown to most fans, a guy I like, uh, but then who's going to play the slot? Do you have Cameron Sutton playing the slot? Do you? I, I think it's going to be a combination. You're just going to have a bunch of different guys playing there. Mollett, what happens with Arthur Mollett? I believe in, when the 53-man roster comes out, I believe Arthur Mollett is going to make the roster just because of his leadership and his experience. I believe he's going to make this roster. This is again, this is just my ideal scenario. I left him out. Justin Lane, I wanted to add, but there was no room for him with seven receivers. But I believe that's the way the Steelers go. 
with Matt Canada, this gives him the opportunity to prove what he's got. If Matt Canada fails as the offensive coordinator this year, you might as well just move on. And then as Kenny becomes the starting quarterback in future years, hopefully for the Steelers sake, he can learn with a new offensive coordinator and begin to learn a system now before a new system. Now, before it's too late, because it, in this scenario, Matt Canada has every possible tool he could dream of. You have Steven Sims who can play anywhere. Calvin Austin, the third, who's a speed demon, George Pickens and Chase Claypool, who can be big bodies outside Deontay Johnson, who's an excellent route runner. Same goes for Anthony Miller, Miles Boykin, another big body. In tight end, you have Pat Frymuth and one of the best young emerging tight ends in the league. Najee Harris, McFarland, a guy who's extremely versatile, who he had in college. There's so many pieces that he has. If he can't do it with all that, he's not going to. So this is put up or shut up time for Matt Canada in this scenario. If the Sears keeps seven receivers, that's the Sears saying, okay, Matt Canada, you have everything you possibly need. Now it's time to go out and do something with it. Well, we're going to finish off the show with two fantasy football questions that come one with one of our most enthusiastic listeners when it comes to fantasy football, and that is Aiden Blaine. He has two questions that uh, he brought today, and they're both dynasty-related questions. Uh, the first one is, I recently drafted Jahan Dotson over Christian Watson in my dynasty rookie draft. Did I make the right choice in your opinion? And Aiden, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I think it's going to be kind of a coin flip with these guys. Dotson has just as much potential as Watson does, but I believe Watson's opportunity early on in his career is going to be greater uh, Terry McLaurin, he's going to be staying in Washington for uh, for a, quite a while. But there is going to be room for a wide receiver too. Whereas with Christian Watson, he could be the wide receiver one at the end of the year. Nobody would be shocked. You do not find six foot four, six foot five, 210 pound receivers that run sub four, four every day of the week. I mean, he was so good at North Dakota State. He just he emerged in that pre-draft process once people got to know him and then at the combine he backed up everything that you saw on tape with his athleticism the guy's got it all he's got all the tools and he's the big body that Aaron Rodgers could use on the outside I know there's a lot of hype surrounding Romeo Dubs and he's another guy I really liked in college another guy who has a lot of potential Um, reminds me of a smaller version of Julio Jones when you watch him on tape the way he moves but Christian Watson has an opportunity to be the wide receiver one in this offense in his first season, obviously that since this is a dynasty draft, you know, it's a difficult question because we don't know who has the long-term upside, but I believe their upside is very similar. They're different style receivers, but I believe based on the opportunity they're going to receive in the future, it's going to be close. I don't think it was wrong to draft Jahan Dotson. I don't think he's going to be a complete bust or anything like that. But if I was in that scenario, Aiden, I would have taken Christian Watson just based on the opportunity. I know he's going to get early on his other question He says, I also drafted Romeo Dubs, which we just mentioned, over David Bell in the third round of my Dynasty rookie draft. I figured the risk could pay off due to Aaron Rodgers' high praise of him thoughts. And I do believe you made the right decision on this one, Aiden. I'm not a fan of David Bell. I believe that Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones are going to be the starting receivers on the outside. I believe DPJ is going to emerge as that wide receiver too, which he kind of did toward the end of last year. Uh, But I believe that it's only going to be enhanced this year. And you have Anthony Schwartz and other guys that can play in the slot. Anthony Schwartz, the guy this, that the Browns spent draft capital on last year, I don't believe is a complete wash. Uh, speed, Another speed demon, David Bell, he, he was very productive in college. 
but he's not fast. And you can see on tape that he doesn't separate. I, I believe it's going to be diff, more difficult for him at the NFL level to make contested catches against NFL corners. He has pretty good body control, uh, but he really hurt his draft stock by his 40 time uh, running the four, six plus in the 40. And he just did not look quite as explosive this previous year. He, I mean, in college, he set records. I mean, go and check out his game against Ohio state it was absolutely amazing, but I believe Romeo Dubs does have a greater opportunity. Sometimes with Aaron Rodgers, it's not always the most obvious person who breaks out. You know, Devontae Adams at one point was not the most obvious guy uh, to break out. Before him, I mean, Jordy Nelson was not the most obvious guy to break out. Randall Cobb, a lot of the guys that Aaron Rodgers has developed a good chemistry with have not has not been the top guy that everyone is thinking of. Alan Lazard, he seems to like Alan Lazard as well. Uh, at the end of the day, I think Christian Watson is the better long-term answer. And I believe by the end of the year, if Christian Watson stays healthy, he has tremendous upside. He's a guy we, you could be drafting in the third or fourth round, maybe even higher next year. You could be drafting him as a wide receiver one or high-end wide receiver two in your redraft leagues next year. Just based on the opportunity he's going to have early on, I believe he's poised and he's ready for that opportunity in that role. But Romeo Dubs, a guy who's also, I mean, both of them can feast in this offense. Sammy Watkins, I'm not scared of Sammy Watkins. Randall Cobb, even though he has a chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, I'm not scared of Randall Cobb. And even Alan Lazard, I believe he's going to be a starter, but I'm not scared of Randall Cobb. Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson can both eat in this offense. And I don't think any dynasty owner should be scared about drafting either Watson or Romeo Dubs. I think third round for Dubs in a uh, dynasty league, a traditional league, I believe that's good value. So I believe you did make the good choice there, Aiden. Romeo Dubs and Jahan Dotson. So considering that you have Dubs, that may work out better. So you don't have two Packers wide receivers. Uh, now that I'm thinking of that. So Jahan Dotson, you know, I think overall that's a good package. Jahan Dotson and Romeo Dubs, two guys I believe bring tremendous upside for you in the future. Well, thank you all for listening today. I know this was a little bit different of a show without uh, Jeremy, but he should be back next week. And we will be looking forward to bringing more Steelers content to you, both on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and on the podcast side. We will see you next week on the Steelers. Today.